Welcome to the Express Podcast, where we talk about art, design, and all forms of creative expression. In today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about exactly that. We're going to be talking about the creative industry, and we're going to learn some creative strategies and techniques for how to become more creative and to come up with innovative ideas and solutions to problems, as well as we're going to be discussing how we can use creativity in the business field as well. I can't believe I've done like 13 episodes and I haven't even discussed creativity on the episodes and it's literally in the intro. So it's important to know what creativity is, which is just the process of coming up with new ideas. But creativity is fundamentally much more than just coming up with ideas that haven't been thought before. It is exploring new insights and perspectives. It's making connections that don't exist. And it involves innovating, disrupting, and changing the way things are. People have this misconception around creativity with that there is no original thoughts and that new thoughts are just a combination of multiple ideas. But I actually don't believe this is true. I believe that there are still original thoughts, there are still original concepts that people haven't come across in their thought process. And we'll be like going into how you can put these into practice in this episode. So before getting to this episode on creativity, I wanted to address some common misconceptions about creativity. And a lot of people think that they aren't creative, but I think this is just not true. I believe everyone's creative in some way, shape or form. And the people that say this are probably actually the most creative people. Creativity is fundamentally part of human nature and is part of who we are. People often think this because they are creative in different ways. They might be really good at problem solving and strategical thinking. They might be more of an analytical person and more of a technical person as well. These all involve forms of creative thinking. There isn't just one form of creativity. There are actually many forms. It doesn't have to just be like art or painting or sculpting as well as like graphic design and being a designer or producing and making music. One of the most creative fields is actually science. They're constantly discovering and coming up with new ideas and solutions to solve problems, using innovative inventions to solve certain problems, and also like computer science, coding, development, and software. And those are the fields that are most progressive at the moment and that are causing the most changes and disruptions and innovations in the field of business and technology. So now that we got that out of the way, what is the creative thinking process? The creative thinking process starts at preparation. Once you have identified a solution, you need to prepare for it by converging on an idea or approach. This involves conducting thorough research where you really get to know the topic and you know the extents and limitations of it. Then you have incubation where your time needs to process and take in the information you just received. This also involves the process of encoding. This is the part where subconscious mind takes over and it's important to know that your mind is always activated and going over ideas. And there are all these ideas that haven't been finished, haven't had a complementary idea to finish them and complete the cycle. The next stage is illumination where the ideas have come to you because they have been processed in the subconscious mind. Then it is at the top of your conscious mind and you become aware of it. This is described from what I said earlier where your mind is making connections and adding things together. Verification is where you actually test whether the idea will work. Is it feasible or practical? Can you actually implement it? You may have to seek further research at this stage and seek sources of information and inspiration from others. Elaboration is where you have selected the right approach and this is really where you have to expand on it and explore possible angles. This is where you would usually use techniques such as brainstorming and mind mapping to come up with a range of different ideas. Evaluation is where you have seen all the possible sides to your approach and you choose a direction based on how effectively it solves the problem. You see the potential of the idea and you are aware of its limitations but you know how to compensate adequately for it. So basically you have assessed all other options and you have decided on this one to go forward. Implementation is where you have selected a process and you have planned the steps in order to put it into practice and move forward. And this is where you use and apply your idea and actually put it into practice and then you start seeing the initial feedback from it. 
Reflection is where you look back at the initial idea and see how you followed through with the process. What flowed well? Was the process relatively streamlined? Was there anything you could have improved on? Is there anything you should have done instead? These questions can all help you in the future when doing a project. It's really important to have a thorough thought process and analyze your past projects so you know what to improve on the next time you put them into practice. So what are some creative methods and techniques you can use? The first one is mind mapping and the reason I put it at number one is because it's definitely the best one by far. It's very overly talked about, but especially in a group setting, it's very useful and important. It helps you to understand your ideas better and come up with more conclusive ideas because they can add on to it. It is a visual technique that helps you map out your creative thinking process. It is where you have a central concept and then you come up with as many possible ideas as you can and then combine them as well, forming links between the ideas. Brainstorming is where you come up with as many different ideas in a row to form a list. For me, it's a very lateral thinking process and I literally write from left to right, down a page, but I also really find it useful to draw out some of my ideas to visually represent them better. Scamper is a really useful technique that I literally just found out about and it's an acronym for substitute, which is like replace or exchange ideas. Combine, which is like putting ideas together. Adapt is changing your initial idea. Modify, which is adjusting your idea. Put to another use involves changing the purpose of the idea. Elimination, which is taking out some variables and factors. Reverse, which is switching the variables around. This is a really useful technique that I'm definitely going to explore further and I encourage you to look into it more as well. Drawing thumbnails is a really useful technique in being able to visualize your idea and represent it better. It also can help in coming up with ideas because sometimes you know how to say those ideas and write those ideas, but you know, may not know how to physically like show it. Also, I found as a designer that you can use elements that you have used before in your thumbnails and combine it with new concepts and, and put it into a different context, which can actually lead to like many breakthroughs and advancements in the new project. It also really just encourages you to explore and experiment, which is actually really important. Storyboarding not only helps you represent your ideas in a visual format, but it also helps you to show your creative thinking process and the various steps and sequences involved. This you can then expand on and adapt to gain a new insight to solve a problem. The six thinking hats is a method that I think no one actually actively uses, but I feel like they unintentionally use it a lot every day when solving a problem because the techniques include the white hat, which is like the logical one, which looks at the data and facts, the blue hat, which is like the steps and plan involved in the thought process. The black hat is looking at the limitations and drawbacks of the idea what doesn't work about it and why. The red hat goes off things like intuition and feeling and it uses emotions to make decisions. The green hat uses new ideas and looks at alternative options and solutions. The yellow hat looks at the reason as to why the idea would work in practice and it asserts the positive solutions and implications. Problem reversal is where you look at a problem from the opposite side and work your way back to a solution. This gives you insights into the possible limitations and weaknesses of your idea and this teaches you to address them proactively, strengthening your argument. Visualization can be really helpful in coming up with ideas because it gives you a preemptive perspective and premonition of the idea. If that made no sense, let me explain. It lets you play out the scenario before it actually happens, which lets you react to the situation better when it actually happens. This lets you see the different outcomes and lets you assert a solution that best addresses the problem. Role reversal, now this is not the same as problem reversal and in fact it's completely different. Role reversal is where you choose to see it from someone else's perspective. For instance, you choose someone from a TV show, a character that you may really resonate with. Then you ask yourself how would they react in this situation? How would they resolve this issue? 
This helps you to shift your thinking and access a different perspective. Now, metaphorical thinking is a difficult one to access and to actually apply, but it implies the use of objects, forms, and symbols that help you to represent your ideas or create associations between seemingly unrelated concepts. This is similar to forced analogy, which is coming up with a metaphor, which helps you draw conclusions between two different things that aren't related, but this helps to understand your thought process going in behind it, and it helps in forming new connections. Ask questions surrounding your topic or that are different or that challenge your perspective on it. You can make statements or pose questions that invoke a different response. This brings new perspectives and teaches you to think critically and not to take things at face value. Random stimulus is choosing a random subject, an outside force in the form of a visual subject or material object, then trying to apply them to your problem, see how they relate or trying to draw connections between them, pulling solutions out of the ether. Drawing constraints or restrictions can actually be a really effective way to be more creative. And I found this through analyzing my own creative process. It gives you clarity and focus because you have a narrow thing to focus on. Have you ever had a thing called analysis paralysis where you are given too broad of a subject? Then you have too many options or approaches. This is actually one of the most difficult things to solve and break down. But what you actually have to do in the situation is introduce restrictions and constraints. If you have a complicated problem to solve, you can actually break down the subject into different components and visualize them using a diagram so you can see all the competing factors. Then you can get a holistic view of the subject and then choose areas you want to explore further or decide on an approach to follow. A large part of creativity is combining two different ideas. This is an approach you can use to form a new concept because a lot of ideas have already been thought of. So you need to be able to make connections between two different things and figure out if they make sense or if you need to explore them further to make them more accessible. If you want to come up with the name for a business or for some other project or reason, you can use a random word generator. If you're trying to figure something out, you can use similar words related to your topic or you can use things like synonyms because they have a different definition which brings new depth to your understanding of the topic's dimensions. Conversely, you can use antonyms to explore the opposite definitions which can help you to further your initial position and the understanding of it. Also for brainstorming and coming up with new ideas or simply assisting in your creative process, you can use AI or ChatGPT. And in fact, some universities actually allow you to use them for that exact reason, but you need to learn how to enter the right prompts or know how to make them unique or adapt the response. I actually found that if I can't come up with new ideas, this helps me to be able to use those responses to be able to come up with ideas that follow the general premise, but that are different in some fundamental way. So now I'm going to explain the connection between creativity and dreaming. And first of all, I want to start with inspiration because we talked about it previously. So dreams can often act as a muse of inspiration for artists because it allows your subconscious mind to wonder and explore different scenarios outside of what would usually happen. For instance, surrealists used to use dreamlike scapes in their artwork. And this was a very famous art style that I think a lot of people resonated with because of their own dream experiences. Also, I feel like we don't see many artworks that have this style much anymore and it's kind of like sad. Also, I feel like dreams can be depicted in a different way depending on how strong your imagination is and what type of creative you are because if you're a visual artist, your experience could be completely different. It could be very visual and visceral. But if you're a writer, your scenes could be more like story-like and descriptive as well as if you're a musician, you could hear sounds or depict certain rhymes and extract vibrations from your environment. This also depends on whether you can control your dreams as described in lucid dreaming, where you are aware that you aren't awake and that you are in a dreamlike state. 
which gives you control to do whatever you want and explore any scenario or setting. And you can like manipulate the dream to do pretty much whatever you want, kind of like Inception. I unfortunately can't do this and I don't really dream much, but it's like really interesting to me how some people are actually able to do this. Oftentimes dreams are very emotionally driven and come from your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Dreams give you access to your subconscious mind where all of these unresolved situations reside. So being able to tap back into this and explore your psyche can lead to revelations and help with current things you are going through and give you inspiration. Some of your most innovative ideas come from dreaming. That's why it's important to write them down and keep stock on them like in a diary or a journal. If you're someone that dreams regularly, because you can reflect on them later when doing creative projects and you need inspiration. A way you can somewhat access a dreamlike state is through visualization, which you can do while you're awake, but it requires a very active imagination and practice tapping into your visual cortex. You can also think of what the situation would be like by assessing how you would be feeling, what senses would be activated and how your emotional reactions would be to the situation and how you would respond to the environment. So now I wanted to talk about creativity as it relates to flow states. Because when it comes to one of the more productive sides of creativity, this is definitely one of them. So flow state involves a state of enhanced concentration and focus on the task you are doing. Everything else falls away and you are just working on this task and you are just there completely involved in the moment and you are completely free of distractions and things seem to flow effortlessly and time and space seem to be slowed down, unrestricted or irrelevant. This is the state where you can really get to the root of a problem or challenge you are trying to resolve because you are completely engaged and have a sole focus. When you are entering a flow state, it's almost like you're outside of yourself, your inhibitions, self-consciousness, and ego are virtually non-existent. You aren't even aware that you are outside of all of this. You're entirely distracted from that and all of your self-judgment and fear of failure is gone, allowing you to experiment and take risks that you usually wouldn't consider in order to complete any challenge. Because your mind is unburdened by self-criticism and things that restrict your thinking, you become more creative in your approach to ideas. You have control and autonomy over your mind, which gives you access to a lot of untapped ideas that you wouldn't usually have thought of because of restrictive thoughts and cognitive biases that have always been around and go unchecked. Flow states often take place when you have given yourself freedom in that you haven't allowed yourself a set time or given a certain amount of restrictions. And once you're in the process, time slows down or speeds up and it is an altered perception of time and it is a completely different experience wherein you don't feel any pressure to perform but you're still aligned in achieving a goal and also your actions feel effortless and you are performing certain tasks with ease because you have a deep connection with what you're doing and have conviction in your approach. When you explore different concepts, your skills tend to match the level of challenge and you seem to have a clear understanding of how to make it happen, making your actions seem effortless, natural and seamless. Flow states are also a self-reinforcing cycle. You are receiving positive feedback in terms of cognitive reward that come from completing certain tasks, which reinforce your behavior and allow you to feel a sense of accomplishment, which lets you be more creative and productive in the process. Flow states come from intrinsic motivation. You are receiving stimuli and dopamine from completing tasks that gives you a sense of fulfillment. It's also autotelic, meaning that the purpose is in the enjoyment of the process itself. This is where you are most productive and your best work comes from. You're operating at peak optimal performance, you are still experiencing a level of challenge, but your skill sets and abilities are there to match that level of the outcome. 
So if you're viewing this, I had to restart the recording for this section of the podcast because I was interrupted, but let's get back into it with no further interruptions. Let's do this. So at this stage is where you are the most productive and the best work comes out of. You are operating at peak optimal performance and this is where your best work comes out of and you are still experiencing a level of challenge, but your skill set and ability is there to match that level. This sense of challenge, but also knowing that you can complete it gives you a sense of reinsurance and instills motivation and boosts your level of engagement in the activity. To be able to access and connect with the flow state, you need to make sure that you plan and cultivate the right skill set. Then you need to set the right goals and ideal outcome that you want to achieve. Then you need to engage in a task that is challenging, but also that you can complete and is achievable. You also need to set a time frame, but also make sure that it's not too restrictive. You need to set a set time frame, but also you need to make sure that it's enough time to feel like you're not restricted. Then you need to eliminate potential distractions. You need to be fully immersed in what you're doing. There can be no possible interruptions that can occur. Otherwise, this will take you out of the flow state. So now I'm going to explain how creativity is involved in entrepreneurship. And at first, it is used to come up with innovative ideas in terms of a product and service offerings. They need to be able to address unmet demands as well as changes in consumer wants by reorienting their product offerings to service the needs of the individual. They can do this by emphasizing their product's features and how it can bring value to the consumer as well as changing their branding and marketing strategies for it to target the consumer better and be more applicable in its messaging. To enhance your brand's messaging, you can do marketing campaigns that display their product or service visually in an intriguing way and that communicates to the consumer by either storytelling or just be appealing to them as a person in some way. Releasing these marketing or branding campaigns can show the community interaction and analyze their responses as well as see their engagement. This they can use to make changes to their approach and modify the outcome, making something that is more personalized and directed and that elicits a more effective response as a consequence. This involves analyzing consumer wants and demands and requires critical thinking and problem solving to come up with a solution. This also involves a level of awareness in order to assess whether their business model is working or if they need to adapt into another strategy. This involves a level of adaptability because they need to be able to evolve to fit the market and current economic conditions by either using new technology or software or bring new people in that will help access resources needed to meet either economic, organizational or changing customer demands, which involves access to feedback or using CRM tools to see the trends. This involves risk taking, which is heavily involved in the entrepreneurial process of running a business because there are always going to be things that have to change about the business, which could take a lengthy adoption process, which can also involve negative feedback in terms of financial loss, market share or customer loyalty. If your business has lost funding or experienced a drop in revenue or significant financial loss, maybe money has been going to the wrong places or the business needs to cut spending and have a more resourceful approach which is another thing that requires creativity, which is seeing how you can make the most of the situation and still come up with things that produce results with minimal inputs. Resourcefulness is very much involved with starting up a business as well because they don't have much resources and disposable income, but they do have access to available channels such as social media, which are often low cost or even no cost. Running a business requires significant amount of planning, research and envisioning the future. To have this level of foresight or understanding of the organizational outcomes takes a significant amount of creativity, innovation, intuition, and self-awareness. You need to be able to set goals, some that are unrealistic or hard to achieve, but even ones that are more simple and require a easy step-by-step process and that are attainable. In other words, you can't be too delusional 
but also at the same time some level of delusion or ego is actually required in order to believe in yourself and start up a business some creative people can often become entrepreneurs just by being on social media and seeing market trends or products that are doing well and have a lot of popularity in the community they can come up with an entirely new business just by seeing things that are either unmet in the market not being done right or that they think they can do better or that they have to combine with an existing idea or product and innovate to come up with an entirely new business and approach to what is currently being offered and is out there when they come up with a business idea it's really important for them to consider whether they might need to bring on a partner friends which honestly in some circumstances might not be the best idea or approach but they can also bring on employees by putting them on the payroll where creativity comes into this is through collaboration where they need to be open to hearing a bunch of different and new ideas as well as being open to new perspectives and deal with their predispositions towards certain things being actually willing to implement their business ideas could contribute to the growth and innovation of the overall strategy of the company creativity can also be quite limited when it's only one individual but when working on a group there is access to a bunch of different ideas to consider and implement as well as cross-pollination of ideas is a very real thing especially in the business space Finally, entrepreneurs must stay in a continual rate of progress and growth, which requires the right mindset and framework around success. They must always stay committed to their self-improvement and remain curious and willing to learn new things. They must always remain open-minded and see where they need to adapt to changes because if they don't, their business will go down and the rapidly changing economy and continually more competitive environment will take over. Also with the continual rate and progression of social media going so fast, it'll be easily overcome by competition and new entrance to the market. So now I'm gonna explain how collaboration helps to improve creativity. First of all, you get access to a range of different ideas and opinions because they each have a different upbringing where they're exposed to various different experiences and events that shape their personality and contribute to their thought process when in a creative setting. These different viewpoints bring new insights that may have not been thought of in your own mind. Also, if they come up with an idea or solution to solve a problem, this may lead to you thinking of something else you can add to that to form or build on that idea more. This can also help to strengthen your ideas more because they have an outside looking in approach and can see what you may not have been aware about or that you may have ignored previously. Also, in collaborative environments, people join a group to solve a problem, come up with a strategy and approach. So having a bunch of different perspectives brings the collective intelligence up also having people with different ways of thinking can help for instance someone could be more intuitive and make decisions based on intuition or emotions and make decisions based on a feeling but also someone else might see it from the logical perspective and side and see how it can be implemented and put into practice this means that they can work together to come up with an ideal solution that is more of a well-rounded idea and that is more thorough and thought out also people can have complementary skill sets that help each other solve specific problems when in collaboration with each other. These are things that they might not have been able to do themselves that they can now do because of the assistance of someone else. Some things require a certain level of knowledge and experience to complete, therefore having a group where everyone is contributing to solve different areas of a problem can help in the efficiency and effectiveness of the project because you are not wasting time in acquiring a skill, which takes a lot of time and dedication. Also, collaboration fosters an environment of accountability because they all have equal aims and goals in that they want to reach the objective in the least amount of time with the least amount of loss, whether that be for money or other resources. This gives them a vested interest in reaching the goal. This makes them more likely to contribute and there are high levels of involvement across the board. Also having a collaborative environment where all their thoughts and ideas are encouraged and is an open discussion where they can say whatever they want 
In this situation, there also needs to be a balance and rationale to discern the most effective action. So there needs to be open feedback and critique of people's ideas. So everyone is involved in the decision-making and all perspectives are heard out. This shouldn't be used to incentivize people speaking up, but rather in the vested interest of achieving the best outcome. In collaborative groups, people can also motivate each other to take action and be more proficient and proactive. Because the workplace and business as a whole is so competitive and people don't contribute in a group setting equally. So those that see someone doing more work than them, the ambitious type of person sees this as an opportunity to match this level of work or supersede that and contribute more. This could be because they're intrinsically motivated or focus on the reward of the outcome or the validation that comes with either silently proving someone that you don't like wrong, blindsidingly backstabbing them, or showing the boss that you're worthy of your role or that you should be offered a promotion. But it could also mean that they are intrinsically motivated and that they want to compete at the highest level, fit their own high standards, or uphold a standard level of responsibility that they have set out for themselves and continuously improve within their own moral boundaries or fit their expectations. They could be drawn or motivated to reach a sense of internal achievement and feel accomplished in what they do. You can never not do the work in a group environment because you feel morally obliged to do the right thing on behalf of others. That is if you're a good person, of course. So collaboration becomes this thing where people have this expectation of you and you need to meet that. Otherwise, you'll fail them and yourself and feel guilt and shame and all the rest of it. This can be a profoundly powerful motivator to be more creative, productive, and contribute more. This need to contribute and to be productive can really help in being able to push yourself and test your capabilities and limits when having to collaborate with others. People can often help in validating or affirming your ideas because they can often offer their own personal experience with the topic and often strengthen what you have to say by giving practical standings. In reality, this says that they have been through it and that it's possible to implement as a functional ideal outcome that can be expanded upon if needed. Also working with a group can be advantageous for the individual because yes, we talked about it, multiplying your mental and creative capacities and improving performance through the need to contribute to the group, but it also gives them access to more resources and potentially more funding because the leader is more willing to offer these things if they are influenced by the perspectives of a multitude of people, especially seeing that it advances their financial goals and it is good for the board because it eliminates excess spending and time or other resource wasting. Also humans as social creatures require the interaction between others and it can actually serve as a source of energy because just being around others brings more energy and uplifts us, giving motivation to pursue things and collaborative groups are the best ways to use this and access it and attain creative synergy and coming up with ideas and being part of a team gives you a sense of intrinsic reward. That's it for this episode of the Express Podcast. I hope you learned some useful strategies and techniques for how to be more creative. If you would like to listen to this podcast, you can find it on Spotify, YouTube, and Rumble. You can view our short-form content on X, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube Shorts. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in the next one.